Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we look back on Forrest's defeat to Middlesbrough. Just to let you know that Baz and I recorded this report before the breaking news of Chris Hewton's sacking as Forrest manager. Thanks for listening. Another game and another defeat for Forrest, this time beaten 2-0 by Middlesbrough at the city ground, making it six defeats from seven in the championship this season. Forrest started okay in the game, but it was Borough who scored the first goal. Andras Sporar firing in after Forrest lost the ball in midfield and then 72 minutes doubled their lead with Onel Hernandez tapping into an empty net after a mistake, Loacan Beso with the pass back and then Ethan Horvath miscontrolling and slipping over to present the ball to the Middlesbrough player for a simple tap-in. Not much to talk about from the Forest point of view after that. It, the game sort of petered out and Forest didn't really offer a great deal. Baz, we'll, we'll start with the first half. And Forest in that first 45 actually were not too bad to begin with, but they, they couldn't find a way through, couldn't score the opening goal. And it was Borough who did. And I felt that was the turning point. Do you agree? Yeah, so I mean, we started off with Horvath obviously in goal, and Mbeso replacing Jed Spence from the weekend um, because he's not allowed to play against the team he's loaned from. Um, and we, but like just like on Saturday, same similar sort of sit setup, um, but just like on Saturday, started brightly, and about ten minutes, fifteen minutes in, I was thinking, yep, yeah, great performance. We're not going to get a result here. And it, it it had that feeling of inevitability about it because it does. We start brightly. That that's, that seems to be the way we do things. Um, and then for the goal, what what actually happened from from what I could see was Borough basically tightened up. They realised that our main threat was Johnson and Zinkenagel, and they tightened up on them. And then Zinkenagel um, thought he was fouled. You could. I mean, at, at first I thought he was fouled. It was just in front of me. I thought it was a foul. He waved his arms in the air, but uh, the referee just um, let him play on. And as soon as the, the their player ran into that space after the, the Zinkenavel had left behind him, you just knew that they were going to score. It, it was it was obvious. 
credit to the guy because it was a great finish to to fire it in how he did. But it was just so simple for Middlesbrough to cut through and, and score like that. And it's on one of those like well, when when the the, the the waters of the Red Sea parted in front of him. Yeah, it really was, and it was so easy and just so simple. It's like Forest were kind of huffing and puffing trying to find a goal, and then Middlesbrough within seconds were in front, and that was. Mm-hmm. And that was just so easy for them. But Lyle Taylor, I think he wanted to, to come on to Lyle Taylor with the goal as well. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, so I made the point there that Zinkenagel um, thought he had been fouled. Um, I thought it was a foul, it, fair enough. But you often see fouls, if it's not completely 100% clear cut, even if it is clear cut, sometimes you see them not given. So standing around and waving your arms about isn't going to do anything. And... I noticed this, I make the same criticism of Lyle Taylor, especially on Saturday against Cardiff. He spends a lot of his time either on his arse or waving his arms about complaining about the foul. And yeah, I'm sure he does get kicked a lot and he gets shoved all over the place. But at the end of the day, Lewis Graben gets kicked a lot and gets shoved all over the place, but he doesn't wave his arms about. He gets on with the game and gets on with it instead of standing still and expecting something to happen when it's never going to happen. And and yeah, with, with Zinkenagel today, I thought that was part of the reason that, that the, the guy had so much space to run into because Zinkenagel basically stopped expecting the, the whistle to blow. And Lyle Taylor, the same thing, I'm sure he would get into better positions if he stopped complaining about losing the ball or being tackled or whatever it is. And I'm sure half of them are fouls, and I'm sure he comes through with loads of bruises, but you have to play to the whistle. Exactly. If it's not given, then there's nothing you can do. It's it's that old, just the, the first rule of football in a lot of ways. Yeah. Keep keep playing until you're told otherwise. It's yeah. you know that's really basic stuff. We were talking during the game on on our WhatsApp chat, and you mentioned that the midfield was at times non-existent. Uh, do you think that's a fault with the players or the manager, or just is it a culmination of things that have been going wrong this season? It's not even this season. It's been for years, I think. It's, it's, we've always had this massive disconnect between our, back, our defenders and our forwards. And I think that's part of the reason. I mean, I'm old-fashioned. I think games are won and lost in midfield. And that's part of the reason we struggle to score goals. And part of the reason we concede goals is because we allow the other team to dominate the centre. And last season, there was a point under Hewton where we picked up and that was because we had, oh, I think I mentioned this before, we had Garner and we had Kravinovic, two players who could hold the ball. At the moment, it's just Garner trying to hold the ball on his own because, I mean, Yates, as a, I mean, people say um, academy products get, uh, get a, bit of a, uh, a bit more like leeway from the fans, but Yates doesn't get any leeway at all. Um, every single time he touched the ball, you could hear this groan go round around me. Um, and he did miss quite a few passes, to be fair. But So Garner was basically holding the midfield on his own. And so either what was happening was Yates was dropping into the defence, Garner was moving forwards, and then it was just leaving this big gap in, in the centre of the park. And they were just running into it. One player there that you mentioned, Kravinovic, somebody who hasn't really been talked about this season as much of a miss, but I would argue that he, he was actually quite key in helping Forrest hold on to the ball better in games last season. He might not have caught the eye with goals or assists, but he was, he was keeping the midfield ticking over between yeah, him it was, it was and holding that, onto the ball better. 
Yeah, it was, it was giving us an option where we could move the ball out of our half and just into their half and then not, not have it come straight back at us. And that just gave us that little bit of breathing space, which we're just not getting at all at the moment. Whether any of the new faces coming in will, will help provide that, that's just something we'll have to wait and mm-hmm. see on. As for Ethan Horvat, given his first start in the league in a Forest shirt... How did you think he got on compared to Brees Samba, who's obviously been the first choice for a while? Yeah, so after Saturday, Cardiff game, I, I can remember in the first half thinking, Brees Samba, his confidence looks shot. He looks like a shell of the player he was last season. And he needs, he needs to be dropped. Um, the start of this game today, I thought Ethan Horvath, if anything, looks overconfident. And there, was, there were points where... He was doing too much with the ball and it was ending up going between McKenna, Worrell and Horvath and it was just like, just get rid of him. Just get rid of it, stop titting about and get rid of it. And that kind of sort of, so what happened for the second goal, it was kind of almost, it had an, another inevitability about it um, just because he was doing too much and, and it was bound to lead to an error. And I think the goal sums up Forrest's predicaments as well. The the comical nature of it, the calamity of it, <laughs> with Embe So, who's a centre-back playing at right-back tonight, misplacing the back pass, so that it wasn't easy for Horvath to just take it in his stride and clear it. Horvath miscontrols it, then slips over. It falls to Hernandez, and he has a, a simple tapping into an empty net. I must say, though, I did feel... I felt sorry for Horvath in the first place. You never want to see that that kind of individual mistake by a goalkeeper. But I also felt for Loic Mbeso, especially when less than two minutes later, he was hauled off for Jaden yeah. Richardson. And I thought, well, if you're going to bring Richardson on, why not just start him? Because he is an out-and-out fullback. Why, why play the centre-half at right-back and then when he makes a mistake, haul him off and almost say, well, that's your fault for doing it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does come across that way. I mean, to, to be honest, I thought the, the, the substitutions, which were, it was um, uh, Richardson coming on and it was Lolly for Taylor, wasn't it? I thought they had a, a, an air of desperation about them anyway. Um, but, but then by, the, yeah, by then the game was gone, so, so it kind of made sense in that. I, I do feel really bad for him. He was out of position. He made a mistake because he was out of position. It's not what he's used to doing. And that mistake made us, well, I mean, the fans were turning at that point anyway. Um, so that just made it all worse. The, on the subject of the fans, I think that's one of the most toxic atmospheres I've seen at the city ground in terms of fans turning on the players. We had a moment during the game when Forrest were knocking the ball around. I mean, they weren't doing anything particularly flashy with it. It was quite simple passing, but every pass was being met by an ole from the fans and it yeah. did feel a bit... I did feel for the players in that situation because it, it just came across as if well, we've got absolutely no faith in you as fans. And Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's kind of... That, that, must, that must have been just before the mistake for the second goal as well. So maybe it did get to them and, and, and that's kind of what led to it in some way. And I, I really feel... We, we just we, when we were chatting before this recording, um, we both touched on this. It's, I feel bad for the players in some ways because we've both seen forest sides with players who are much much worse and put in far less effort than these players have. 
some of these players might not have the skills or the talent required for the situation that we're in, but I don't think you can fault them for effort on that front. They're, they're, they're at least trying and they look like they're playing for the manager. And for, for this, I, I thought it was really, really toxic and a very unpleasant atmosphere. It was funny as well, don't get me wrong. Yeah. When I first heard the, the chant of we've got the ball, I thought that was funny, but <laughs> it's not helping and it's, it's making it worse for the players. And I've seen, I've, I've said, um, I mentioned in the WhatsApp chat, I think this is as bad as when we were under Megs and the atmosphere in there. It was, it was really, really unpleasant. It was, and it, it wasn't quite Megs and out chance that we saw back then, but the chance of you're getting sacked in the morning to... Chris Hewson kind of summed it up really the the fans have lost faith in the manager and I think as well they've lost faith in the team and perhaps it's, it's the way it was handled was a bit unfair on the players but you can't deny that I think there's a real apathy and people have I think the fans have just had enough with it really when I was walking out of the ground um I could I overheard people talking about it and like one of them said I can't even be bothered to get worked up about how bad we are and that I think that pretty much sums it up at the moment. And and again, someone else went saying, "I really feel for that keeper because he's actually quite good." And again, that that says it all. Really, it's like we we're just like, well, what's what even is the point? That's where yeah. we're at at the moment. With the future of Chris Hewton, there's already rumours circulating. Um, I must add, from people who were not at the game tonight. So, John Percy, for example, has already tweeted out within half an hour of the game finishing saying that Chris Hewton will be on his way out of Forest very soon. Hewton, though, in his interview on Radio Nottingham, said that nothing has been said to him. It's complete news to him that he, he could be on, on his way out. But what did you think of the way that he handled that interview in those circumstances? I was really impressed with his post-match interview, um, whereas I wasn't on, uh, on his interview after the Cardiff game at the weekend. I was not impressed in the slightest, but today I thought he handled all the questioning, all the pressure really, really well. Um, I think that was partly his experience showing through. He's been under pressure before, so he knows what to say and what to do. He probably realised he made a bit of a mess of it at the weekend, so I think he prepared himself. And I think he came across really, really well, quite, um, what's the word, dignified, I guess, is, is, and which is a word we've used about him before. Yeah, he did come across very, very well. I don't think it's going to help him in the long run. Um, I think the big problem is... I can't see where this side, as it currently stands, is going to get a win. It's even going to score a goal at the moment. I think this is another, what's it, four games this season where we've not created any shots on target. Uh, I can't see where that's going to come from without some sort of major overhaul. And when it comes to major overhauls, the manager is always the first major overhaul to make. And it's clear that a change needs to be made. I'm not somebody who advocates uh, sacking managers regularly but it, it has got to a point now where there's no other arguments there's no other points you can put forward to to kind of support the manager staying on it's it's at that point now where something's got to change otherwise the season is going to be over and Forest the way they're playing could very very much be relegated at the end of this yeah I mean, I mean, that's that's when, when I, at the, right at the start when I said um, this is a good performance, we're not going to get any points. That's a relegation. I can remember years and years and years ago um, 
if you remember when Rude Hullett went to Chelsea and he played, Bolton got relegated that season and his Chelsea side played um, Bolton and Rude Hullett did an interview and I really, I really clearly remember it. He was amazed at how well Bolton played. And he said he'd never seen a team abroad play that well when they knew they were going to get relegated, but they still got away with zero points. And that's kind of the thing is a relegation side can put in the greatest performances. It means nothing without the points. And I can't see where we're going to get points from. And now, after the way the fans turned on the players, I can't see the players having much confidence in themselves. I, I don't understand how, how, how can you deal with that when you've got 24,000 people of the 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 people that are supposed to be supporting you, jeering you like that, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot to carry. So it's going to take a big change to, to pull us out of this. It is. And uh, do you think that's the way to, to fix the mess that Forrester in? It's change the manager. Whoever comes in has to work with the players that are in place now that the, the transfer window has passed until January yeah. at least. So is that the simple way to, to fix the problem? Just change the manager and, and try to, to, to kickstart the season that way? Well, it's, I, and we, we, we touched on this at the, the monthly um, podcast. Um, I think the game has changed in that the, the idea, the way people press the ball is different to how it was maybe even five years ago. And a lot of that's down to the success that Guardiola's had at Barcelona and now at Man City. And and the, the the likes of Klopp and the, the way that the German sides play, all that that high press kind of stuff means that the way that you defend has also changed. And I'm not sure that Hutton, being the age that he is and being who he is, is willing to make the changes to adapt to that. And so for that reason, it might take a new manager. I don't necessarily think it necessarily means a whole load of new players. And this is where the influence of the CEO, this is what we don't know, is actually has this this last lot of recruitment had a bit of a strategy behind it? Have we been buying these players with a manager in mind or has it just been the same scattergun stuff that we've been doing for the last four years? I get the impression that with the new uh, CEO coming in with, with Dane Murphy and, and what he's trying to implement... I think they wanted to, Hewton to be in the job for at least this season just to handle that transitional period and mm-hmm. as a safe pair of hands who will guide Forrest through the championship season pretty much unscathed. Uh, I think it's safe to say that that's not going to happen now. So I suppose the next question, it's hard to, to ask it when we still have a manager in, in position, but you, you would expect, wouldn't you, now that if and when Chris Hewton is moved on that there will be a certain kind of manager that Dane Murphy's got in mind to, to come in and, and start putting the work that he's, he's, he's laying down into, into process on the pitch. Yeah, and this is kind of, I can remember, it might have been Nick Randall in one of his interviews said, um, every club has a strategy, but it goes out of the window as soon as there's three defeats. But that kind of depends where you pitch your strategy. If you pitch your strategy where the manager is in charge of the strategy, then yeah, it goes out the window after three defeats. But if you look at, say, Swansea a few years ago, they had a strategy and it didn't matter which manager they had in place. They, they followed that same print, those set of principles through. So the question is, does Dane Murphy have that strategy at that higher level? And has he got some principles that he's trying to follow through for the long term, regardless of 
which individual personnel are in place to do that. And that's certainly what happened at Barnsley, but is, has, he, has, he had, has he even had the chance to do that here? What certainly one of the things I did notice on Twitter was, um, I think it was Danny Taylor was saying, the next manager isn't going to be someone that we expect. So it's not going to be yeah. Wilder, it's not going to be John Terry. So Yeah, we will, we will wait and see. Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.